Amen. Um, welcome, Mission Church. How are you doing today? New people here, um, welcome to the gathering of the church. When we all leave today, this is no longer the church. The church comes and gathers, and then the church uh, is called to go. All right, so we're back in Acts today. I was talking to my sweet wife in the back right now, just saying, I have more sermon that I can get out in this amount of time. So um, if you want to follow along with me today, notes are on the website and the app. Uh, have a ton of stuff in there, a lot of hyperlinks. I'm going to probably irritate you some today. So if you want to see the source of that irritation, you can find it in the notes uh, on the website. Um, let's see, what else can I tell you before I start? I will, I will begin with this. When scripture is taught the right way, and I, I am um, petrified every week to make sure that I teach it the right way, the crowd does not bother me. I've been doing this for a while. But man, the presence of God does. It scares me. It puts uh, really holy fear in me. So as the church, the collective, when scripture is taught in a specific way, it is very little about the man or woman that teaches it and completely 100% about the God that wrote it. So if you hear things today that bother you, I will do my best as a human to just tell you what the Bible says, all right? Preferences should really not be in the equation when Bible teaching happens. I do pray, though, as we talk about this scripture today, that the Holy Spirit will move in your heart. He will speak to you as only he can, and that there will be conviction. When there is complacency in the church, conviction does not happen. When there is mediocrity in the church, sacrifice is not present. And so we as the people of God are called to be sacrificial. We are called to be convicted. We are called to confess. We are called to repent. And we are called to look to the Savior. Okay? So um, let me give you this something to chew on right from the beginning. This mediocrity will kill any effort you have of sacrifice. And this is what we'll see first uh, in the church in Thessalonica. I'll give you kind of a, a scripture to begin uh, the study process, and then, um, and then we'll get into Acts. You can't be both sacrificial and mediocre. You can't say, I'm going to sacrifice for my family, my job, my health, but be mediocre about it. It just doesn't work. Either you will sacrifice, which means pain, suffering, focus, saying no to other things, or you will give a halfway effort and be mediocre. So I'd ask you today, which one are you? Which one are you? Are you sacrificial or are you mediocre? Honestly, the better question to ask in this moment is what do you want to be? Do you want to be mediocre? I don't think any of us do. But when life gets tough, we give ourselves concessions. And the truth of the matter is, up front before we get to Scripture, your opinion is not a variable in the economy of God. Your, your opinion doesn't matter. What you design and desire to be the truth does not matter. What matters is the truth, and you and I are called to conform to this truth, not the other way around. 
And what mediocrity looks like is that you and I get to decide based on our own preferences of what we think is good, what we think is right, what should be allowed, what should not be allowed. And we're telling God conform to us, which makes you the God and him the follower. And it will never work that way. So as we get into our study today, honestly, I do have more sermon for you than I can give in 30 minutes. Pull up the notes. Discipleship groups, for those of you that are new, we meet in same gender, groups of three or four all across the city uh, every week. We're coming, we're bringing that to a close uh, soon because we do summer Bible studies. Uh, but if you want to be a part of that, Pastor Daniel's in the back. Uh, how many of y'all, raise a hand if you're in a discipleship group right now. Just raise your hand nice and high. So those of you that are new, you can just talk to these folks right here and ask them and they'll tell you all about it. So let me pray. You pray for conviction. Uh, I'll pray for conviction. It, it happens to me all the time on the pulpit. I constantly feel the Holy Spirit going, this is you and this is you. Pay attention, pay attention. So let's pray, ask the Lord to bless us and we'll, we'll study the Bible together. Almighty God, almighty God, creator of heaven and earth, the one who, who wrote holy scriptures to glorify your name and to lead us, to give us a pathway. You are a lamp to our feet. You are a light to our path. You are the savior of our souls. And uh, there's people in here, Lord, that you've loved for years. And they know you by name. There's also people in here, Lord, that aren't yours yet. They've heard of you. And, and I would ask, Holy Spirit, that you would knock them down today with your love and your grace and your mercy. No will is unstoppable when it comes to yours. Capture our hearts for your glory. And all God's people said, amen. amen. Okay. Pull up the, uh, the first map here. And I'll start to explain a little bit to you. This is, um, yeah, I love maps so much. So look down far right-hand corner. This is where everything began back in the day. You see Judea. Jerusalem was a city. Um, this was... Uh, a holy city. This was really one of the wonders of the world, this temple complex. It was giant. Uh, Jesus came into the middle of religious people and he broke everything apart and rebuilt it because he is the head of the church and he can do that whenever he chooses to do so. And these new believers after Jesus uh, lived, had a ministry of about three, three and a half years uh, then was crucified, allowed himself to be put to death for your sins, for my sins, brought himself back to life after three days, appeared to hundreds of people, all right? Talked to them about 40 days of what is to be, keeping our eyes on the future, not the present. Now listen, it's good, it's good to think about your day. It's good to be uh, a planner, but if, if that is your ultimate, you've missed it, okay? The ultimate is who you are in Christ, so they begin to gather in uh, what's called Solomon's Porch or Solomon's Colonnade. Uh, it completely disrupted the religious folk because they were gathering all colors, all ethnicities, old or younger, rich or poor, single, married. And everybody was coming together to hear the beautiful news that Jesus had come to seek and save lost people. And it was for everyone. 
Now, this bothered the religious people. They, they, they hauled him into their court, if you will. And slowly, the religious people began to show themselves to be demonic people, murderers. And that will show out a little bit in our story today. Now, if you look up the map, if you, look, if you, if you follow it up, you'll see uh, as, as the red goes up, passes through Abilene, which is Damascus, into Antioch. This is where one of the first megas got started. Uh, think, if you will, first century hipsters, like this is where they were coming, everybody. But again, it wasn't just one people group because the Jews up to this moment were racist. They only allowed their kind. And Jesus never meant church to be that way. He had a chosen people, but it doesn't mean he doesn't call other people. All right, so Antioch becomes this church of just people coming to Christ, baptisms are happening, and we see some of the leaders of the church, the primary leaders get sent, okay? This is how much they valued mission and calling. Uh, you can follow the little red arrows all the way around. Um, Iconium, Lister, Derby, churches were planted here. It goes into Asia. Ephesus is planted later. Thessalonica, church in Corinth, Crete. Um, all these things are happening. This is Paul's second missionary journey, okay? Now, uh, because we're in Acts, and, and I'm a little bit of a nerd, pull up the next little graph here. I'll show you. It'll explain it a little bit better. This is the timeline of Acts. Now, Acts was written by whom? Dr. Luke, okay? After he wrote Gospel of Luke, this is kind of a, a sequel, if you will. And so at top, what it gives is the time period of the chapters that Luke is writing about. Now, if you go all the way where it says Israel set aside 60 AD, Luke probably wrote Acts about 61 AD. So he's looking, he's writing about things he has heard and he's gathering intel and he's putting the book of Acts together. You go all the way to the beginning of Acts where we studied Pentecost. This is where the Christians are gathered in the upper room. They're scared half to death, right? The Holy Spirit falls with them. And what do they do immediately? They, they, they go missional. Immediately. The Spirit falls on them. They pour out to the streets. They begin to speak. 3,000 plus are saved that day. Um, probably some for the, for the Roman church. They went back there. We just finished up Romans 15. Stephen is killed. This is what scatters the church. The church had gotten probably a little too comfortable within the walls, like everybody's gathered, and Stephen, one of the deacons, is killed, scatters everybody. Um, 40 AD, salvation for, Jew, for Gentiles as well as Jews. Gentile was a slightly off-color name for those that weren't Jewish. It's basically a racist term, okay? And now that the church is open to everyone, the church begins to explode. Now, Paul had written a letter to uh, the church in Thessalonica, and I want to use this as kind of a, a platform for us to step off into Acts. 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 21. This was written about 51 AD. Now, go back to the timeline just for a second. Acts chapters 16 through 26, we're in chapter 20, right? So if you dropped it into the time parameter, maybe 54, 55 AD. So the letter to Thessalonica was written four years before. And what you'll see is that the message, the four years before the message we're going to read today is the same. And today it is the same. It hasn't it hasn't changed with time. It is the same. So when we hear Paul speak through Dr. Luke in a minute, the message to you is the same as it was to the early church. Now, 
Um, 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 21. Here's what it says. By the way, if you're looking for a scripture to memorize, put this on a three by five card this week. Take it with you everywhere and memorize it. And before you say, I can't memorize things, you can memorize Taylor Swift songs, amen? (laughs) Even some of you men, that's all I'm saying, okay? First Thessalonians, here's what it says. This is a calling to the Christian, all right? A calling to you, a calling to me today. And then we'll see it repeated in Acts again. Rejoice when? Always. Pray when? Constantly. Give thanks in what? In everything. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. The best day of your life is God's will for you. The worst day of your life is God's will for you and everything in between. 19 is crucial. Don't stifle the spirit. I was raised in a denomination where I knew the Holy Spirit by name, but not by presence. Um, I remember a guy came to our church once. Uh, I remember him clearly because he had an earring in 1984 and you weren't supposed to do that, especially in the church, amen? And his name was Tiny and he was not tiny. He was like 6'3 and 350 pounds. And while we were singing a hymn, he raised his hand and you would have thought there was going to be a witch burning that afternoon, okay? So this scripture says you and I, as we walk with Christ and as we're filled with his Holy Spirit, don't stifle it which means this week you're going to hear the Spirit speak into your life. Say this, go there, care for that person, text this person, stop speaking. All these things that the Spirit is called to do, and the truth of the matter is, if you don't respond to the Spirit, you will stop hearing them, okay? The good news is as we confess and repent, we come back into this space again. 20, don't despise prophecies, but test all things. Hold on to what is good. Stay away from every kind of evil. It doesn't say be careful when you're around evil. Uh, You know, check out evil if you want to. It says stay away. Why? Because it will burn you and affect you and change you and warp you, you and me. So rejoice always, pray all the time, give thanks, listen to the Holy Spirit, test thought and ideologies. I would love to see the church today watch less YouTube preachers and just read the word themselves. You are listening to a person talking about a thing. You can just go straight to the source. And that will change how you hear some of those guys. Don't get close to evil. So that brings us to the passage of Acts 20 today. That was the call of the church four or five years before. Now this is Luke writing about this 61 AD back to around the 54, 55 AD time. Paul says this, listen to its repetition. Be on guard for yourselves and for all the flock of which the Holy Spirit has appointed you as overseers to shepherd the church of God. He's speaking first to leadership And leadership is called to do certain things. Leadership is always called to do what everybody is called to do. Either we come under this authority, we are this authority, or we respect this authority. As overseers to shepherd the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. Does Jesus have a right to tell the church who it should be today? Yes, he has purchased you. He has literally created you. He has made a space for you. 
If what Jesus says offends you, then you are not a part of the church of Jesus Christ. You are a part of a demonic church. You're a part of a church that has nothing to do with our creator. Verse 30, oh, verse 29. I know that after my departure, savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. Now, let me just stop right there. Has any of you ever seen a wolf like in the zoo or something? Heaven help us if you've seen one in the wild. Like timber wolves are huge. Like they can go three, 400 pounds. It's like a Narnia creature, amen, okay? And the reason why you can't keep a wolf as a pet is because they're like crocodiles. You may love your crocodile, but one day if he's hungry, he will eat you. Wolves will do that too, okay? So think of in your mind, Paul is talking about this savage beast that can tear us from limb to limb. Men will rise up even from your own number and distort the truth to lure the disciples into following them. Therefore, because of this, because this is not what could happen, this is what will happen. Be on the alert, remembering that night and day, for three years I never stopped warning each one of you with tears. Paul had spent some time with them and saying, this is who you're called to be. This is who Jesus is. This is what you're saved for. Now, get ready. Because this is what happens. It happened in the first century church. It definitely happens today. Here's a statement I will give you to chew on. Complacency is the enemy of awareness and preparation. It's the enemy, okay? If uh, our armed services, our PD will tell us this right now. Those of you that have gone camping will tell you this right now. Why do we not apply this to our spiritual lives? Why have we just decided that if we're in church and, you know, we've, we've studied God a little bit, we've studied the word a little bit, we've read the Bible before, and sometimes we pray when we're in great need, why are we complacent when it comes to the most important thing we are? So here's the question that I asked this past week. If wolves, and by the way, wolves are not just male, wolves are female, and they are younger and they are older. It's not, you can't put this uh, process in a box. You and I have to be ready. What is maybe things that we drift in sometimes in the church that the enemy may be using to change you or me into a wolf? Here's the first one I can think of, salvation. How in the world would we become wolfish with salvation? Well, uh, if you have the thought that I'm a pretty good person, I mean, I'm not that bad. This is a lie. You're a sinner, saved only by grace, by the way. You have earned hell a thousand times over. You have earned being wiped out over and over again. So have I. I'm a good person. You're not a good person. You may be a good person in your neighborhood economy, but the standard that you're looking at is not the standard you'll be judged at. It's Christ's standard. It's not my standard. It's not yours. Well, I said a prayer of salvation. You know, I'm, I'm saved. Show me that in Scripture. It's just not there. What Scripture says, if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart, and then you pick up a cross and you follow Christ. It's a walking after Jesus every day, which is incredibly painful, by the way, which is what his life was all about. So Acts 4.12 this is Peter at the beginning of the church. This is when he's drawn in when they're meeting on Solomon's porch. Uh, the religious leaders, the Sanhedrin, 72 demonic men, 
call him and some of his, 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 his leaders in and tell them, listen, we know you believe in this Jesus guy, whatever. I mean, we already murdered him, but stop talking about him. And here's, here's how Peter responds. Acts 4.12. There is salvation in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given to people by which we must be saved. And after that, he said, and by the way, we're not going to stop talking about Jesus. Okay? There is no other name by which you are saved. You will not save anybody by your name. You will not save anybody by a religious leader's name. You will, you will only see people be saved by Jesus' name which is the name that we hang all of our salvations on. That's the only place we can go. You're not a good person. You're a sinner. But Jesus is a perfect person, and he is the Savior. By grace, we have been saved. Number two, where I see us drifting in the church today is sexuality. Now, you can, you can name all the big ones, and we know that Sex before marriage is wrong. I, we don't even need to go down that pathway, but I would say some of them that creep in, that drift in, one of them is porn is not that bad. It's not like I'm with a real person, Pastor Tom. Like it's not, you know, it's not like, it's not a real person. Uh, movies aren't that big of a deal. You choose to watch what you choose to watch because you think you get to decide. Music is just music. It's my call, what I listen to. It's just a song. Now, I personally listen to a lot of 80s music because it's better than most things out there today, okay? Um, but I'm in the gym Monday as I'm preparing for this sermon, and I'm listening to 80s, and I'm listening to Biggie, y'all. Listen to a little, little, little Biggie. And after 30 seconds, I had to cut it off. And I really like the song, but what he was talking about was, was not good from my ears, okay? Books I read are just words. It's just a story. Pastor Tom, it's not that big of a deal. And jokes are just funny. I can handle them. Man, I wish we as a church, when people tell jokes that are racist or unethical or rude or vulgar, that we would say, hey, there's nothing funny about that. By the way, you only have to say that once or twice for them to stop sharing those jokes with you. Sexuality is a big deal. Calling is also a big deal. Paul says this to the church in Philippi. My eager expectation and hope is that I will not be ashamed about anything, but that now as always, with all courage, Christ will be highly honored in my body, whether by life or by death. The question when it comes to our sexuality is, is Christ being honored? Would Christ listen to that or watch that or be in that space? That's the real question. Is he being honored in our body? Now, last time I checked, your eyes are a part of your body, what you see. Your ears are a part of your body, what you hear, and your hands and your, your tactile being. Number three, happiness. This is a tough one, but hear me out on it. When we decide that our spouse, our kids, our job, our friends, my health determines my happiness and my joy, so what happens when they fail you? What happens when catastrophe strikes? And I, I don't desire this for any of you, 
but it happens. What happens is the reality of your lack of substance in Christ will be exposed. This is the hard reality. When my father's son came out way back in the day, he was a pastor, had some failures. It's like my dad was a conduit to God for me. And when he fell from grace, it's like I didn't have a connection to God anymore and my heart was revealed. Because if my father is a good guy, then I'm a good guy because of my dad. And the Lord really broke me down over the next 10 years. But he is faithful. He began to show me that, that he was my father. And that relationship was restored. Exodus 34, 14, for you shall worship no other God for the Lord whose name is jealous is a jealous God. You shall worship no idol. You shall worship no person. If your spouse, if you think singles getting married is gonna save you, you're wrong. If you think your children are just the number one and you worship them, you're wrong. You can't do that. You can love them. You can die for them. And you can focus them on the one who will save them. But they will not save you. And you will not save them. San Antonio has a giant altar to children. Dallas does too. Houston does too. We're not alone. Number four, I call it the feel good, live good. It's really just health and wealth. God has blessed me because I have earned it. This is heresy. Now, what some of you guys do is switch it to the opposite end is God has cursed me because I'm a horrible person, which is just reverse self-righteousness on the other side. I listed a few more in there. I'll let you pull those up in your notes. Um, the bottom line is this. Christ followers, you and I, Christians, are called to fight the drift, not follow the crowd. I'm not interested in how well you can get along with your corporate policy when it comes to sexuality. I'm interested in you coming under the authority of the living God and standing for what is right with your family, with your friends. Fight the drift. The first one, how we do it is this, scripture competency. Now, listen, we're a lot of churchy people in here, a lot of churchy. We have a lot of Bible reading under our belts. Uh, we have a lot of little songs we learned when we were kids. But I'm talking about being competent of what the Bible says. Here's what Jeremiah 31 says. God is speaking to you and me right now. I will put my teaching within them and write it on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. God wants to write his word, his logos on your hearts, which is an, another way of saying he wants to go very deep within you and rewrite some scripts to allow you to know who he is and how he loves you and how he's called you now not to be mediocre, but sacrificial if we're gonna follow after him. Stop listening to a high volume of internet preachers that are more sensational than provisional and you study the scriptures. You ask the questions. Stop being a follower so much and be a leader of yourself, of your own home of your friends. I put several things in the notes that you can look at. Uh, now put the next picture up. 
This is a picture of the MacArthur Bible Commentary. I'm not the biggest fan of John MacArthur, I'll be honest with you. Some of y'all have his name tattooed on your shoulder. I get it, okay? He's not my favorite, but this commentary is one of the best on the market. It just is. The details in this commentary are phenomenal. And this would be a great piece to sit by your Bible when you study so you can go more in depth about the knowledge of God. All right, show the next one. This is something I use called Olive Tree Bible Software. This is huge. This is free. Um, What you can do is you can buy pieces or books that are all digital for your study as you grow. And if you have any question, hit me up. If you're looking at a commentary, I'll tell you if it's good or not. I have all of my commentaries in this, and I'm looking constantly at the Greek, the Hebrew, the Aramaic, the history, the timetable, sociologically what's going on. I want to know all the details because I've been called by this God. And he's written about in the Bible. BibleGateway.com is another good one. If you're a giant nerd and love spreadsheets, Logos.com is a wonderful software you can spend a lot of money on. Okay? Become Bible competent, not Bible aware. Yeah, I know you're aware of the Bible. Satan is too. Let's be competent in it. Let's begin to grow in it. Let's begin to live in a little bit. The second thing, how we fight the drift is this. Have a crazy prayer life, not a normal prayer life. Stop being so freaking vanilla when it comes to your prayers. Let's get a little crazier with this. Now, we had our prayer time last week. We'll probably have one by God's grace next week. Uh, I really enjoyed that, that corporate time with you guys. It was, it was powerful. I went to the gym Monday. I prayed for three separate dudes out loud in the gym. One of them was like a Christian brother I knew and his mom's going through some stuff. But the other two were just rando dudes I just met. I start talking and the Holy Spirit's like, you already talked about praying, preacher man. Better start praying. So I got to pray for these guys. I have to pray for another one this week. Let's pray for people. Let's pray for them. Let's open our mouths and speak blessings over people in the name of Christ. Why aren't you doing this? Let's do it together. I want to hear your stories. Jeremiah 33. The Lord, listen, this will give you a great reason to pray right here if you need more. The Lord who made the earth, the Lord who forms it to establish it. You know, the Lord, evolution is such a crock of crazy Like, we have been created. The earth was created by God. The Lord is his name. Here's what he says. The creator of everything we know and understand says this. Call to me and I will answer you and tell you great and incomprehensible things you do not know. One of the biggest self-righteous acts of Christians is deciding that we know all we need to know about God. Like, Ladies, are any of y'all interested in your husband saying, I pretty much know everything about you. Wouldn't that just do it for you, ladies? Like, oh man, that's awesome, yeah. I feel validated and cared for. Men don't want to hear that either. Why? Because a relationship is an ongoing process of learning, comprehending. God is saying to me and you from the prophet Jeremiah, pray, come to me. I'll tell you things you don't know. This week, this week, 
you can have some aha moments. Want a good reason to pray? God will tell you things you don't know. Pray about everything. Keep a running conversation going with your Savior all day. Write down your prayer list. Pray for missionaries. Pray for pastors and ministry leaders. Pray for all your family and friends by name. Pray for your abusers. Pray for those that have offended you. And the last one is this, how we fight the drift. Talk about Jesus. Choose to talk about Jesus. In your discipleship group, I, I am concerned and worried that uh, for those of you that are, are first-timers, we have discipleship groups that meet all through the city, 50-plus of them, same gender, groups of four and five. I don't want our discipleship groups to turn into um, a moan session. I want it to be a Bible study. Now, there's times when we need to say, y'all pray for me. I got some stuff going on. I'm hurting right now. I, yes, yes, let's do that. But let's focus on what scripture says because as we learn more about God, as we grow in him, the name Jesus is just gonna come out your mouth. It's gonna, it's gonna do it. A lot of y'all are comfortable with saying God, but you don't say Jesus that much. Here's the deal with, with complacency in the church. If no sacrifice is evident, then no commitment is being made. You, you just, you can't, you can't tell me you have a growing relationship with Christ, Christian, if no sacrifice is being made. You, you can't tell me that. You can't tell me that in your work scenario right now, uh, the upper management is telling you all these things you have to agree with and you have to believe in. If they're contrary to God, you have to speak up or there's no sacrifice. And so therefore you can't tell me you're committed to Christ in your workplace. You just can't. Paul says this, verse 32. And now I commit you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and to give you inheritance among all who are sanctified. I have not coveted anyone's silver or gold or clothing. You yourselves know that I worked with my own hands to support myself um, and those that are with me. In every way I've shown you that it is necessary to help the weak by laboring like this. And remember the words of the Lord Jesus, because he said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. Paul commits the people to the grace of God. He's worked with them. He's not asked anything from them. Uh, and he's chosen to be in ministry with them. Uh, what he's doing is helping the weak by treating others as more important than yourself. I would say this church, if we are people that are gonna fight complacency and lead into sacrifice in Christ, we gotta know that it'll cost us, okay? For you non-believers that are here and just still contemplating this walk with Jesus, as Jesus calls you, you're not going to be in control anymore. But he will also never leave you nor forsake you in your hardest of moments or your best of times. To the believers that are here today, I would ask you, what part in your life are you allowing to drift into complacency? the comfort zone, just kind of putting it into neutral. How can you and I hold one another accountable so we can just be set on fire again by the power of the Holy Spirit? Don't stifle the Spirit. Listen, read, pray, speak up, speak out, church, and tell the truth. Amen and amen. Communion team, y'all come on down. We'll call it a day.
Almighty God, we just, we thank you for your calling. It's evident. Father, we ask forgiveness for our complacency of wanting to look past sin, of wanting to look past our own sin. Forgive us, Lord, for not speaking up. Forgive us, Lord, for our lack of conviction. Call us to repentance. Lord, we want to reflect you. We want to glorify you. We want to honor you. We thank you that you help us in the moment, that we are not done. We are here living and breathing. We can respond to you. Lord, I lift up uh, those that don't know you right now. I would ask, Holy Spirit, that you speak directly to their hearts and that you validate the fact that scripture is true, that you are calling them and they will never be the same. Your will be done, almighty God. Amen and amen. Church, when you're ready, come to the center aisle, come down front, receive the bread.